for me, when I talked about Advent a couple weeks back, I, I talked about apocalypse and the end of all things and what the second coming of Christ might mean for those of us who have everything we need. And uh, Melanie, perhaps somewhat predictably, has focused in the Advent on the hope that we have coming, the things that we can look forward to. And then this week, I, I read the Magnificat, which is that passage that Mary spoke that Marina read just now. And that is a especially famous passage of scripture. Like it, it has its own Wikipedia page. It's that big a deal. Um, and so when you read through that, it's easy to read that and then look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, sure. This is talking about the coming of Jesus. Of course, Mary is this wonderful, serene figure where nothing can concern her. She just sees everything coming and just accepts it and obeys God. And she does most of those things. But I got to thinking about the reality of what it would mean for a girl like Mary to be in the position she found herself. Because after all, the Bible, among the other things that it is, it's a collection of stories. It's, it's accounts of people who have experienced God and who have been changed by the experience. And the way we tell these stories is incredibly important. You maybe have heard the phrase, well, history is written by the victors, right? And so just to take one instance of history, you could tell the story of the Third Punic War, which details don't matter at all, don't worry. But you can tell the story of that war from two different perspectives, either from the perspective of Rome, where they had been persecuted and chased across the Mediterranean twice already and had fought two wars against Carthage before. And so finally, this time, they were pushed farther than they'd ever pushed before. And so when they were able to push back, they aimed for total victory. To win convincingly enough, they didn't have to fight a fourth war. It was self-defense. And so they destroyed Carthage, took out the heart of the empire that was threatening them, and went home. The other side of the story, if you are from Carthage, is that Rome had been growing and spreading its influence, and you were fighting to keep your corner of the world safe from being absorbed. And so you fought two wars already, and you kind of lost both of them. And you were fighting to keep your people and your way of life alive. And then come the Roman legions, and they raise your city. They salt the earth. And suddenly every man, woman, and child who lived in Carthage has to become a refugee, flee the area, and find a new place where the earth is not poisoned by the enemy so that you can grow some food to eat. It's kind of a different story depending on how you tell it, isn't it? And so the way that these stories are recorded in Scripture, the, the choices that the authors of Scripture choose to make in the way that they tell these stories, those decisions are vitally important. If we want to understand what Scripture is teaching us about the very nature of God and what it means to be human. And so we read this story of 
Mary. And it's interesting that Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town where she had a cousin, Elizabeth. And she went into their house, and that's when she greeted a distant relative. I can't help but wonder if the subtext of that opening line to this passage this morning was, Mary didn't really feel welcome at home anymore, so she kind of left quickly. Maybe before the pregnancy started to show too much. And she went to go stay with her older relative, Elizabeth, who had kind of passed childbearing years and knew what it was like to be gossiped about because she was barren and unable to have kids. It's probably safe to go stay with her, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my cousin Elizabeth's house and we'll ride this out. I don't know about you, but if you've ever really paid attention, we love talking about other people. We love having a story to tell about someone else because the worse they look, the less people will pay attention to our flaws. And so it makes sense that I can say, well, those people over there, did you hear how awful that was or how terrible they were? Or did you hear about how they messed up? Because as long as your attention is over there, then I feel safer and I feel better by comparison. And so I imagine that Mary, this young teenage girl, how do you tell your parents that an angel came to you and told you that you're pregnant and that God is the father? How does that conversation even go? For those of you that are parents, if your daughter comes to you and says, hey, dad, I'm pregnant and God is the father, do you believe her? And even if you want to believe her and you try to believe her, how easy or how hard is that? And then if the neighbors start talking and they hear that Joseph almost divorced her quietly and then the rumor mill starts up. And so Mary goes to stay with Elizabeth. And it's maybe against that particular backdrop. The idea of an unwed, teenaged, pregnant girl going to see family that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and the first words out of her mouth are not, blessed is God who gives us good gifts. The first word out of her mouth is, blessed are you, Mary, among women. And also, blessed is the fruit of your womb. If you could put yourself in Mary's shoes, knowing that everyone is probably talking about you, that nobody believes you, even if you are absolutely innocent of the thing they're accusing you of. To the point where you, you go and visit your cousin because it just seems easier to just get away for a while. And you walk in the door, and your cousin, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, Blessed are you among women. Just that moment right there, knowing that your cousin has this Holy Spirit-imbued knowledge, and she believes you. 
that this I, I found a place where they know I'm doing the right thing. This is this is safe. I, I can I'm trusted here. I'm I'm okay. I'm not gonna be attacked for this. This they believe me. I don't think that God ever puts us in a position where he isn't willing to provide the help we need. And I'm saying that very carefully because God frequently gives us far more than we can handle. And even saying it that way isn't right because it's not even God who's giving it to us. The world is a broken place. Gossip is not God's plan. Shaming people for doing the wrong thing, shaming people who are maybe even innocent because you just assume they've done the wrong thing, that is not God's plan. That is not God's will. God opposes those things. That's in the Magnificat, that God opposes the powerful and he lifts up the lowly. And so you have this dynamic where you you have this unwed, single, teenage mom, pregnant mom, who now all of a sudden has the blessing of God the Father Almighty, and the Holy Spirit leads her her, her cousin to say, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And in response to that, we get the Magnificat. Mary does not pray this prayer or sing this song because the angel told her, you're going to have a son and he's going to be the son of the Most High. That's not when Mary sings the Magnificat. I think it's an intentional decision to put the Magnificat after the first human being to recognize that Mary is doing the right thing and that Mary is blessed and beloved by God. It is then that Mary feels fully free to say the things that she says. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's looked with favor on my lowliness. And surely from now on, all generations shall call me blessed. And I get it. I'm reading into it. It's not proven. I can't prove that this is what she's referring to. But she says that right after Elizabeth affirmed her as beloved and blessed by God. Maybe it's at this point that Mary went from accepting it because God said so to really being able to believe it in her soul. I am blessed. Too often I end up talking to people and sitting at Lazy Boy all day, I talk to lots of people who don't go to church, which, to be honest, is my favorite part of my job. But every once in a while, someone who I've been talking to for a couple months will suddenly realize I'm a pastor. Because when I'm at Lazy Boy, I refer to it as my weekend job. And so all of a sudden, somebody who had no idea will suddenly go, oh, oh. And you can almost see them scrolling back all the things they've said in the previous two months. <laughs> or, you know, someone will see me walking by, and I have a cross necklace that I don't always have out. But every once in a while, it is visible, and I'll be wearing, like, a suit jacket or something over a T-shirt. 
And somebody's like, wow, he really looks like a pastor. <laughs> to which Mark turned and said, yeah, he kind of is. <laughs> but it's this, it's this dynamic where I get to talk to people all the time who, who don't sit in these pews. They haven't heard this story 20, 30, 50, 1,000 times before. And every once in a while, I, I do go kind of out of my way and I ask them. I ask them things like, so have you ever, have you ever thought about going to church? Even before I ask them, they come to mind. Like, do you, do you want to go to church? What do you think of church? When you think of God, what, do you, what does that mean for you? And the answers I get back and what people think of us, whether we deserve it or not, it doesn't really matter. When people who don't go to church think of church, they think more of Mary's immediate township people who are gossiping about her and throwing shade over the fact that she's knocked up. They don't immediately assume that we're going to be more like Elizabeth. They assume that we won't love them and affirm them. They assume that we're not going to tell them how much God loves them. They assume we're not going to pray for blessing over their life. They assume we're going to pray that they repent because they're awful people. And so when I read this, this story, and I, I read pretty heavily between the lines, and I look and I think to myself, okay, in this story, am I Mary? Am I the persecuted one? And for today, that no, I don't, I don't feel a particularly gossiped about or persecuted, but I've been there. Am I Elizabeth? Have I gone out of my way lately to look for someone who is in distress and say, did you know that God loves you, God supports you, and that God wants to bless you? And if I'm not in one of those two positions, Odds are fairly good that I'm one of the crowd that Mary was running in haste away from. Because my natural default setting is not to be a kind, wonderful, encouraging, and loving, demure, calm, patient person. Just ask Melanie. Are you talking about me? <laughs> You know, like, and, and I'm willing to bet that if you know, Pastor Kevin can say, yeah, I, I messed that up, then I, it's okay. You can admit that you messed that up too. But yet there's an opportunity here. Every person we meet, every time you hear gossip around the workplace, every time you are waiting to pick your kids up at school and you're judging the mom who's in yoga pants with her hair up in whatever messy bun she could manage to throw together in three seconds. <laughs> Anytime you have the opportunity to be one of the crowd, the oppressor, the, you know what I mean? Anytime you have that opportunity, we can choose something better. We can choose to do what the Holy Spirit did through Elizabeth and say, blessing upon you, you who are highly favored by God. Because we don't all have the same honor that Mary has that she was chosen for, but we all have the same love that we've received from our Father in heaven.
That is true no matter who and no matter when you say it. Blessed are you, you who are highly favored by God. So all the, the touchy-feely Hallmark Christmas movies that are about the girl finding the guy, you can guess it in the first three minutes. All of the presents under the tree, all of the crazy shopping you've done, all of the gift that you've selected, the ones that are gift cards and the ones that you've got the perfect item for them. If we're lucky, if we are good, if we are holy and if we are Christ-like, those things will lead us to bless others with the blessings that God gave us first. To use them to protect and not to oppress, to sustain and not to drain away, and to encourage and not to criticize. <laughs>